At one point, my main competition back in the day was Chuck, and Chuck was a one-man shop. I was a one-man shop. And the thing that we always heard from our clients like you are, you know, when you go on vacation or you go do something, or if you're working on a job, our stuff needs to be fixed. You gotta, you gotta do something about it. And so you have to make that. And I sat and had a, you know, talk to Chuck, and he's like, no. And I'm thinking, I gotta do this because if I can grow and get enough people to service, four-hour response time, that kind of thing, we could really take the market. Welcome to All Things Parking with Danny and John, and I'm John Conway. And I'm Danny Crane. If you want to know what is happening in the industry, meet the who's who, and learn about technology and innovations happening in parking and mobility, you're in the right place. There's tons of things happening in the parking and mobility space on this show. We will dive into controversies. We will dive into topics and introduce technologies, the leaders and the ideas that are shaping the future of the mobility space. We love the parking industry and can't wait to bring you incredible conversations about all things parking. To check out our episodes, head to www.parkingtalk.com. Your parking talk starts here on all things parking. And before we get started, I just wanted to give a quick disclaimer. Everything you hear on the show is Danny and my opinion, our opinions only. So I would encourage you to listen to the show, develop your own ideas and thoughts, and of course, listen at your own risk. And again, thank you for joining us. All Things Parking with Danny and John. Let's dive in. This episode of the All Things Parking podcast with Danny and John is brought to you by PRRS, the leading provider parking data analytics. PRRS offers a fully customizable, automated 24-7 parking lot monitoring solution compatible with any facility and operation. Data collected by cameras placed on your property can be uploaded into an artificial intelligence-aided interface called parkingcompliance.ai. The interface assembles quantitative reports on parker behaviors, trends, and peak hours, which can be a tremendous help in creating data-driven financial plans or preparing for better ad hoc situations. You can access parkingcompliance.com on your smartphone and have live parking lot data at your fingertips anytime and anywhere. To find out more, visit parkingprrs.com. That's parkingprrs.com. PRRS, a new standard in compliance. Well, welcome back to All Things Parking with Danny and John. How's it going? How's it going, John? Danny? What's going on? (laughs) It's a beautiful day. Today is also an incredibly special day for a few different reasons. We have in the house our very first guest, Mr. Scott Souter. Welcome to the show. Thanks, Danny. It's a Pleasure to be here. It's always have a good time being with you and John. Welcome, Scott. How are you? I'm great. We're so <laughs> just off of vacation. Just off of vacation. Nice. I can't wait to hear about that. Um, secondly, happy birthday, Conway. It is oh, your birthday. My birthday. Yeah. <laughs> we don't I I stopped having birthdays like ten years ago. Sorry. You know, I, I apologize. I was of course running late this morning. No surprise there. Ooh. I had I had a cake. Uh, champagne, forgot it. So my apologies on that, but happy birthday. Yeah, I know absolutely. that you had a wonderful happy celebration birthday. over the weekend because you missed our, uh, 
our cookout at Joe's. So I did. I had, uh, you know, it's kind of a tradition to go golfing on my birthday uh, or the weekend before with a bunch of buddies. And um, it's always a good time. We go up the hill and have some fun. So I'm glad you had a good. But I'm kind of glad you didn't bring some cake because it's just a reminder that I'm a year, a year older. Another year. Another year. Birthdays are always special. You should always celebrate your birthday no matter what. So, um, so again, as Danny said, today's, uh, kind of an exciting day. We got our first guest, uh, Mr. Scott Souter, who, uh, for those of you who don't know is, um, a legend in the Denver market. Um, one of the first integrators, um, that goes way back, at least with me, probably 25 years, um, mountain parking, which, um, He's officially retired now. Officially, yes. Yeah, so this interview's kind of about uh, life after parking. Interested to hear about, uh, you know, what it's like to not be in parking anymore. Although you'll probably always be in parking, if you know what I mean. Yeah, you can't help when you go visiting someplace like Milwaukee or Madison, Wisconsin or whatever. You notice how the pay machines are, the gates, the brands. You can't help it. You just notice that, oh, and this is laid out wrong. What are they doing on the street? <laughs> Who, who's the, oh, yeah, that's the operator. Okay. Yeah, you, I'm sorry. Once it's in your blood, you can't change. Yeah, so you're like me when we're on vacation. My wife's going, are you really going to that parking garage? And yes, looking? I am. Like, Always. Yes, I sure am. Always. Just give me a minute, honey. Do you, so when you, when you travel, I mean, you, you your family's used to the parking industry. You've, you've been yeah. in it for a really long time. Zach is in it. When I travel, I'm always like, we have to look for paid parking. I don't want free parking. Let's look for some paid parking. Cause I'm all about the experience. I want to go through the full experience. John, is that the same kind of experience for you or? You know, I've kind of evolved at this. I'm kind of, now I'm looking for compliance. Um, so I go and try to push the limit everywhere I go, um, try to get out, try to not pay, try to do all kinds of things. So, but still I'm, you know, walking around, looking at these facilities and different parking operations. It's kind of like, it's still the operator in me is still there. Um, noticing how, how often do you get tickets and how often do you fight them? I don't fight them at all. I pay them and I expense it. Because it's, uh, I look at it as, uh, yeah, research. That's about the process. Business, business development, understanding what's going on. So, but let's talk about, you know, uh, we're here because of Scott today. And, um, again, as I said before, it's an amazing story. What I think of success. And so, um, entrepreneur, um, how far do you go back? Um, and talking with other friends in the parking industry, they say that I trained them in Sacramento on federal equipment in 1985. So 1985. Wow. Yeah. It's incredible. I remember working on a mono equipment was my first and it was machine readable. We met with the uh, representatives from Obano, these Japanese gentlemen. They asked if I had a, the ability to fix this piece of equipment and I just kind of chuckled. And the guy I worked with, Steve said, he can fix anything. He knows how to use an oscilloscope, which... It was, I opened up the cabinet, started working with this ticket dispenser and boom, got it working. It was machine readable. So you'd stick the ticket in it had these holes punched in it and it would automatically enter the date and time of entry. And then it would charge with the fee computer and a mono fee. So there were computers back then? Fee computers. Yeah. Was it a TRS-80? No, these were uh, a mono 
TF705s. We moved to Denver. They were TF710s. And we converted them to 5030s, which brings me to Inga. <laughs> Inga Hamilton. Yeah, before we get to Inga. Yeah, though, no, but that's, that's yeah. yeah. You, you mentioned a guy, Steve. Yes. Is that Steve from Data Park? Steve Haralambu from Data Park, yes. Yeah, so you... You were you originally started with Data Park and Steve, right? Yeah, I worked for Steve. He had a partner named Ron. I started working for them in uh, late 84, 85. And uh, we did this parking thing. And having lunch with Steve one day, he goes, we, we should do this. We could make software. This is 1984, 85. Windows was just coming out. And I quit working for him. I took a year off, went backpacking. He found my brother-in-law and called me on Vancouver Island and said, I want you to come back. I've got a programmer. We're going to build a company and we're going to be in parking. You need to come back. So I went back to the Bay Area and that's what we did. Bay Area. So Sutter Stockton garage. Sutter Stockton was my first garage. That was my, I made a trip to Sutter Stockton to look at equipment when I back in 95 and was just shocked at an operation that big. We didn't have parking like that in Denver. No. And and just when we came to Denver and with these honor boxes and rolling up dollars, I'd never seen anything like it. And that's why I thought technology to Denver, this will be a good time. Which, you know, those honor boxes, they still exist yes, they in, in some in some surface lots, which is really surprising. So yes. so, um, so for those of you who don't know your wife, Mary, uh, yes. who's probably the real boss yeah, of the operation. Well, that's how it usually is. So how did you convince Mary to pack up and move to Colorado? Well, it was the kids were about to start school and we're not from California. Great place to be. But we decided we wanted to move and raise them someplace else. And when I got out of the military, she always wanted to live in a city. So we settled in San Francisco, in San Francisco, out near the Sunset District. And then when I went backpacking, we came back, we lived in Hayward. And then as Jack was about four or five, we decided we needed to move. And I always wanted to move to Colorado. So here we came and then we get here in 93. And she's like, now what are you gonna do? So I almost went to work for Apple as a tech or doing some other tech. And I got a call from uh, Berlin with, uh, they were a booth manufacturer. And they asked me if I'd go out there and put in the spikes and stuff at three of the rental cars because they were behind. They were moving the rental cars from in the garages out to this 78th Ave or whatever it was. And so I said, sure. And about that same time, the guys from Omano said, we're having some equipment failures at the Performing Arts Garage. Could you swing by there and take a look at it? So by I got by the time I got through 93, I was you were back in parking. full in parking. And by <laughs> 95, with the opening of the airport, I'd already done some upgrades at the Performing Arts Garage, and away we went. But I still a one-man shop, one guy in a truck. So you were in Colorado Springs, right? Yes. Mm -hmm. And so most of your operation was up here. So you drove every day. Every day. Every day. Drove up to Denver. And um, let's see, this... Yeah, the city of Denver garages was probably Ricky Gersh at the time. Ricky, or pre Ricky, Rick, pre pre Ricky, it was a pro pro parking or park pro or something like that. But then they lost it. It became Ricky was then there. Ricky yes. Gersh was there for That's a long right. time. Yeah, and his favorite thing was "Who's your buddy? Who's your pal?" Yep. <laughs> So whenever he calls me, and he does occasionally, that's the first thing he'll say. I know exactly who this is. How you doing? So, um, so, so you're working out of your garage still at this point? Uh, yes, mm -hmm. in my truck. 
eventually we graduated where I had a storage locker. But yeah, that was it. One man in a truck. One man in a truck coming up to Denver. Um, and then a, along comes somebody from Amco System Parking named uh, Inga Hamilton. Yeah, so we were at the, I was at the Performing Arts and I just did an upgrade there. So I had four, five, six of these printers that go in a 710, which I was mentioning earlier, and that's what she had. And so I, these were just, re, so I refurbished it and she said, how much do you want for it? So we sat there and had a cup of coffee talking and I said, um, 250 or 275. She said, sold. And I thought, oh. Did I just I, shoot really that low? Was, that was too low, wasn't yeah. it? She started laughing. She said, yeah, if you want to change your <laughs> mind. And I said, no, that's, that's the deal. Yeah. I'll stick to it. And she was absolutely great. And that was uh, probably Newstetter's Garage. Absolutely. Are you familiar with I'm not where Fifteenth and Stout. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. Fifth, yeah. yeah. So that was New Statters. Is that what that is that the current name of the garage still? It is. Oh, yeah. Okay. Yeah. I think it's uh, Global Pacific Parking. Global Pacific. Yeah. Yeah. So um, so there was Inga, and then um, I remember that's when I met you during that time frame because um, Inga worked for me. And uh, we had some other repairs and um, Barry Benware, you yes, remember Barry Benware? Um, kind of an asset manager for Global Pacific. Like, they didn't just do parking. They did, oh, they owned buildings, all yeah. kinds of stuff. And the Four Season occupies a space of real estate that Barry got for a very good deal for Newstead, uh, for Global Pacific. Yeah, yeah. So absolutely. It was very good. Yes. And um, so there was a lot of pressure to keep things rolling from, from Barry. So it was like, who's Inga said, I, I got this Scott guy. He's working out of his garage. I'm like, <laughs> well, get this Scott guy up here. We need to get this stuff fixed. Um, so, um, you know, so then we started seeing you more frequently. Yes. Um, you know, cause now all of a sudden the Scott guy fixed Newstetter. So, we got Alamo. We got all these other things going yes. on, right? Mm -hmm. Yeah. And then I think along the timeline here, several years pass, you wind up on Santa Fe. Tell us about that. Yeah. How did you, how did you go from a one man show traveling back and forth to Colorado Springs every day to yeah. ending up down yeah. on Santa Fe? So the airport opened in 95 and that's when I was doing work at the performing arts garage around 1998. Um, I was awarded a contract for the city of Fort Collins. And so one man isn't going to cut it. So I hired my first guy, Ryan Welsh, who worked with me for 20 years I know or Ryan. so. Great guy. Yeah. And then Ryan bought the family farm up in Dakotas and now works for Flash, right, as an engineer in the building side. So um, that was good. But anyway, so about 98, I hired Ryan and then working with you, um, you got to tell the story where at Alamo Plaza, um, Which we we're some, all connected to, by we, the way. We, we did some training on, they had federal APD ticket dispensers there. And anyone that's been around a long time is familiar with the TD-249. It had this little micro switch at the throat. And if there was a cut ticket that was in that throat, the buzzer would buzz. And it wouldn't issue any more tickets. And so more than one time I get a call from someone over at Newstead, at Alamo Plaza saying... And probably Newsteaders. The, the ticket dispenser's <laughs> not issuing any tickets. And I could hear the buzzer in the background. And so I would get over there and fix it. And after a few times, John thought, you know what? I thought you showed Bart how to fix this, but I want you to show me. And when I showed him, 
he was a little uh, disappointed at how easy it was to fix that. <laughs> it was literally, it was literally like a paperclip. <laughs> it flips up and then you know makes the buzzing sound. You didn't get in there and diagnose it yourself. I'm shocked. I, well, after that, I did. Yeah, so. because it was supposed to be Bart's job to, to keep that running. So from then on, if if I if they would call me before because they, I couldn't get a hold of John, I hear that buzzer. I would stop whatever I'm doing and drive there as quick as possible because if he got there first, he fixed it and say no I service call no <laughs> service call <laughs> yeah. so. we, don't need, we don't need the service call any longer yeah and, that's right yeah yeah so eventually and i, I don't remember the exact it's probably a little later uh, maybe 2000 um i needed i needed a place up here in driving down santa fe one time i saw this uh for lease sign at 300 santa fe and so went in and talked to the person started leasing this and we leased it for a couple of years and back at that time, you rebuilt, you built your own computers for the systems. And so I'd build my computers and there were guys in other industries that would stop by and have a beverage with me and we would build computers at night and stuff and then work in the morning. But the problem was putting in the big pay stations that would come in on a bed and we'd have to lower it to the ground and it just wasn't convenient. So eventually I knew I had to find a place that had a loading dock. So when did... The mountain parking parking dynasty happened. Like, was it when you were a one man show? You decided I'm mountain yes. parking. The, yes. You were mountain parking when you were just Scott Souter, and then no, you carried that. We started with Electronic Solutions, and I went to incorporate it, and they said, "Can't do that." And you're standing there. I'm thinking, "Oh, how about Souter Souter Corporation?" And so they said, "Sure, that no one has that." So I took it, and then I didn't want it. Sounds, hi, I'm Scott Souter with Souter Corporation. <laughs> so we, it was a DBA, Mountain Parking Equipment, just kind of fell in because it's parking. But we've been called Mountain States Parking, Mountain Parking, Colorado, whatever. I don't care. Whatever, whatever. Colorado Parking. Colorado, yes. Yeah. So at this point, you you decide you're going to take an even bigger leap in yes. entrepreneurism. Yes. So now you're you're leasing a place on Santa Fe. Um, you've got employees. Yes. Um, and so now you take a big plunge. You buy a building, yes. which was the home, became, later became the home of this Dynasty Mountain Parking. Yes. Um, and so what was that like? You had to go. Uh, I you was, probably took a loan the size of, well, at the to, time. To be honest with you, it was the most amazing thing. I'm driving around thinking I've got to find, so this is light industrial and there's a sign out there that says for sale. So I went up and knocked on the door, went inside. I said, is the owner here? And she said, yeah, he's upstairs. I said, may I speak with him? And so his name was Mr. Wynn. And he, uh, I went up to his room and I said, I said, so what are you asking for? It was this in the building next door. And he was looking for 750 K and I'm thinking, oh, I'll never be. So we just chatted a little bit, explained who I was, what I've been doing, why is he wanting to sell the building? And at the end of the meeting, I said, would you consider carrying the note? And he looked at me and said, I like you. I will carry the note. I go, how much do you need down? He said, five. I said, $5,000? He wow. said, yeah. So I got him a check for $5,000 and we started the process. Needless to say, his accountant, before we closed, needed more money. And then we got to the closing. He goes, you got to put at least 10% down. Come on. And I did. And by that time I'd done a couple of other installations, had the lump sums, was able to pay for it. But 
I didn't know if I'd be able to sustain. So I sold the building next door in the afternoon, bought it in the morning. In the afternoon, I flipped the other side. And you think, wow, this is, I made some money. Wow, I didn't know that. And then the IRS took every last nickel of that. Wow, I didn't know that you bought the building next door. Yeah, I, it was, I sold it to a guy named Mike, and he's there still, and he's probably going to be selling the build, his building in the next month or two. So you went from your garage, leasing a building. By now, you're getting more clients. Yes. I think probably when you moved over there, you probably had the city of Denver. Yep. You got the city of Denver. You've got Central Parking. You've city got of Fort Collins, ABM. city of Colorado Springs. You've yep. got pretty much everybody. Yeah, and by the time we move over there, I've got maybe four or five employees. I mean, eventually we grew to where we had almost 20 people between sales, installation, service, that sort of thing. So, so what it, was it like? You were wearing all the hats for a while. It was... Doing service calls, doing sales, doing proposals. Those were long hours, I remember. Yeah, and working on the trucks. So eventually, Zach convinced me to buy a bunch of Toyotas, new ones, so I wouldn't have to service the fleet anymore. I mean, when you're a one-man show, you cover all all the hats. So Mm -hmm. Zach Souter, who's now with Flash, which we're getting to, um, your son. Yes, and I remember Zach when he was probably six or seven years old. Well, I know. Tagging I, along on some of those Alamo Plaza in the reversible lane. Yeah, I, I remember job sites where he was t- summer of his 12-year-old, and he's wearing a hard hat and a vest, and it's obvious that he's a little young. We were on one job, and I saw the superintendent come, and I opened up the door and said, you got to get in here. So he's in a porta toilet, right? So the, I'm talking to the GC, and Zach opens the door, goes back inside. So, so what was it? When when did you know that Zach was going to be in parking? I, I really didn't. Um, my daughter never really took to it, but Zach enjoyed the freedom. Um, he went on and got his bachelor's degree in uh, it's in business and finance, so it has nothing to do with parking. He's really good in that area. But he enjoyed, and so when he graduated, while he was going to college, he still worked with me. And when he graduated, he just kind of moved into it. And then eventually he earned the respect of all the staff, and he was uh, the vice president. So business and finance, that had to be pretty handy later on. It was very handy. He was He's really good with spreadsheets. I was going to say, it all makes sense now. Yes. I, you've ever been on a, a call with Zach and... Uh, he's screen sharing his spreadsheets. I'm like, you got to slow down. What, yeah. what he's because I'm I'm old school. I have a bucket. You know, I keep track of the big numbers, what's flowing in, what's flowing out, who we need to invoice, who hasn't paid, that sort of thing. Zach gets it down to the dime. Oh yeah, when we when we worked together, it was like we need a spreadsheet. We'll send it to Zach. Yeah, Zach's got it. Yeah, and he can multi tabs make those formulas just hum. So now we're in Cherokee. That's where Cherokee, the, yep. Which I drove by the other day. Talk about that later. But um, so you've got Zach, your son, now working there. You've yes. got Mary down the hall doing the books. Yep, yep. She worked from home until the kids were in. While well, the kids were home, and then when she the kids got to elementary, she would still work at the house. And then maybe middle school, more high school, she would kind of come up a little bit. Then once where they were both in college, then she started coming up all the time. And so down south, when we 
got here, we bought property and I built a house and people say, you can't build a house with your spouse because you'll kill each other. And we did that. And then we're in business together and we're, we, we would even commute no, up to Denver. To <laughs> no, we would commute to Denver together. So you have to get to where we're not going to talk about it on the weekends because it's just your whole life and you're always together. Yeah, it's so, hard. Well, yeah. that, that, that was going to be my next question with your son, you know, being in the next hall over yeah. in the next office and then your wife right across the hall. Yeah. And so the, all the expense reports probably flew through Mary. Oh yeah, you, so how, there, there was how no, do you how do you do business without you know? You, 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 it's there's no there's no underhanded anything because Mama's across the hall, <laughs> right? So what? A, so so now we've got you know you took your leap buying a building. You're expanding by this point. You've got uh, probably when you were at Cherokee, you, you were still growing up. You know, five six years ago. You probably had a staff of over 20, right? Yeah. At, at one point, um, my main competition back in the day was Chuck, and Chuck was a one-man shop. I was a one-man shop. And the thing that we always heard from our clients like you are, you know, when you're going on vacation or you go do something or if you're working on a job, our stuff needs to be fixed. You got you to gotta do something about it. And so you have to make that. And I sat and had a, you know, talked to Chuck, and he's like, no. Nah. And I'm thinking, I got to do this because if I can grow and get enough people to service, four-hour response time, that kind of thing, we could really take the market. And that's it sounds simple, but you get that much payroll, and I had no idea about the HR things that come up between employees that you have to solve. And I'd hear sometimes I'd hear someone come up the steps, they'd go down the hall and I'm thinking, Oh no. And they'd shut the door in Mary's office. And I'm thinking, it's not me. <laughs> yeah. Poor there's, Mary. There's she was nothing HR. Simple when you start getting over 20, 30 employees. And so, and what another great family, you know, I think it was access and time at yes. one point. Yeah. Uh, Chuck, who also brought in his son, Trey, love Trey. Trey. Yep. Great people. Two iconic uh, families in parking that go way back yeah. on the integrator. And I think, uh, you know, they're still, they're still going at yeah, it. They're still going yeah. at it. Yeah. Trey, Trey is a great guy. And him and my son ha have ran into each other and had beers in Boulder on job sites where you lose a job and Zach's looking at another one can smell Bondo. So he goes into garage to see who's doing it. And there's Trey. And Trey. <laughs> right. <laughs> So he's like, let me give you a hand and let's go get a beer. And so, I mean, it's kind of that. That's pretty incredible because the two, uh, the two service providers that I, when I first came into parking that I worked with was Mountain Parking and Trey. Yeah. Like, I, I don't even know what his company is called, but it was Mountain Parking or Trey. Like, I think yeah. it was Trey. Access and Time. That was back Chuck's. When. And then I think it's Advanced uh, Parking. Something, yeah. Yeah, yeah, something like that. I always that, thought you know. he was a one-man show, so it was... Yeah, I mean, but there's times where if he's pulling wire or on an install, uh, Chuck would come and help yeah. him. And So so we're, we're now, you know, 20-plus employees. Your son's thriving. You've got your wife down the hall checking every expense report. Things are rolling along. Yep. IRS is happy. It, oh, I, I... You got your banker happy. Got money coming in. And then you've got this transition. You go through Amano to Tiba. Tell us what that was like. That was hard. I had been with installing Amano equipment for 25 years or so. And so Zach says, 
we're always doing upgrades. There's new software. There's new things happening. And one of the things that really hurt us was when Amana went to build 18, we had to redo software and, and servers. And it was, I remember Dan Bergasa one time saying $45,000. It's like, I'm just not my fault. It's Windows, Amano. Anyway, so Amano had done some new software, some new hardware, and it wasn't working real well. And there was a new player in town because Federal had been bought by 3M and they shuttered them. So people were looking for a product. And so Zach says, it's Tiba. I says, I don't know if I could do that. Zach flew to Israel, <laughs> comes back with this dossier of all the main sea level, the product and all this stuff. And I'm still thinking, oh, I don't know. I just can't do it. So we flew or went somewhere to look at it. I don't know. So then Zach convinced me. We flew to Columbus, Ohio. And because everyone in parking knows everyone, people that worked for Tiba, if I walked in that door would know something's up. So uh, he agreed to meet us over at the new office before anyone was there. And we, we met, we talked with him again. And I said, yeah, we'll sign. So when we got back from lunch, we signed our distributorship with Tiba and uh, Columbus, Ohio is where I'm from. Took Zach to see the family cemetery where my grandfather and my great grandfather were all buried and all the cousins. So then we, as, as we were there in the afternoon, then other people started showing up for whatever reason. And they're like, Souter's here. I saw, I saw Zach. Oh, Mary's in the, in the lunchroom. Oh, the Souters are Something's coming. Something's going So down. we had to tell them, do not say anything. So the next week, I flew to Minneapolis to tell Larry Fuhr personally that we were taking on Tiba. Wow. So that was a, that was a tough decision because you, you, were, you yes. were in that network for a long time. Yes. And when, when we refer to network, there's a lot of dealers across the country, yes. integrators. That yes. We're in that network. So, um, you know, it wasn't probably just about the Amano organization. It was probably all those families that you got used to seeing at the cruises and the shows. And yeah, we had an, we had an association. And uh, when I was in France, I got a call from, um, I got a call from the guy who was the president of the association and said, I'm leaving because I'm going to Tiba. And I'm thinking, oh, is that, this was part of after Zach and the whole thing. And I said, I, I, I'm thinking about it. I'm still on the fence. And he, he said, but now you're the president of the organization. And I'm thinking, oh, no. And so when I got back, here I am the president. And then Clint becomes the vice president. And within a short period of time, five of us all left and went to Tiba from Omano, which was a big, that was a, it was a big hurt. Yeah, that yeah. was a big transition. Yeah. And I think Larry retired. Yes, he did. I think he Probably said, "Wow, this is too much." And after been all, been in the, it a long time. He yelled at me for an hour straight, and when it was finally over, I left my jacket in Minnesota in February, just to go out to my car and get on the plane. It was like I was. It was pretty stressful. I've had several conversations with Larry since then. He he called the day we closed on selling our building. Well, so, you were very, very honorable, I'm yeah. sure, in the way you. Yeah, he, did he, that. he recognized, he goes, you never come to my office. So either, he, I can't remember what the first thing is. And then he shut his door and he says, or you're switching product lines. And I said, yeah. And they said they could hear out in the warehouse of manufacturing because they knew Souter. I'd come in. I used to say hi to the girl at the front desk. Souter's here. There's yelling in Larry's office. This isn't good. So now we, we're on the Tiba train. Tiba train. And that's train. rolling, rolling, rolling. 
And, and trying to keep our customers who have a mono, we have inventory. I can still service your stuff. And for most of them, we could, but... We could probably spend an entire show on how difficult the transition was with your customers sure. at that point. Yeah. But you go a few years and then decide there's another there's another vision, and here comes the, the flash train. Zach was absolutely correct with the Tiba. So when he started talking about flash this time, I... I was more open because of what his, he's got a track record now. And this time with Flash, we go and meet the CEO, Dan and Sam, and we're at a bar, a brew pub in Denver, and they're telling me the vision and what they want to do. And I'm thinking, hmm. He goes, and so we don't want you to sell our product. We want to buy you. I'm like, huh, okay. Numbers? He goes, well, we'll get to that, right? And And so we did get to negotiations. The first hour meeting was just to say, hi, this is who we are. This is what we want to do. Yeah. But what about Zach? Does that, they go, we want Zach. Yeah. Right. So we're going to let you retire. I'm thinking, huh, that, that's what I want too. <laughs> Sounds I, I'm good. Yeah. The ultimate transition. So you sell your company that you built, started out yeah. from your garage. Yes. Um, and now the, the company that buys your company becomes your, uh, you become the landlord because you still own the building. Yes. And I think now you've sold the building. So yes. So you are completely out of parking, completely. out of being a landlord. Yes. And I think I was in there the day or the week that you were wrapping things up and you knew you were selling the building and you were talking about how you were going to get everything out. And it, we went out to the warehouse I have a picture of it that I'll share, but it was kind of a, a sad for so, me. Yeah, sure. Mountain parking was was just uh, anything you're talking about parking in Denver. It's like mountain parking, and here I'm looking at this warehouse that's completely dark. Um, and you look over, and there's a sign. There's a, it just says park, and it was on. It oh, was like yeah. the yeah. only thing that was on in the whole warehouse. It was like a, it was a, it was surreal, good huh? for you, but it was surreal looking at it. I still look at that picture. So, um, you know, what a success story, you know, starting out and parking's been good to you. Right? Yeah, it has. And I, I think that uh, our operators like you and Danny, and I think of Chris and Ricky and Dan Burgos, I mean, the list goes on and on and on because everyone had a part to play in it and held my feet to the fire. And when they would go and talk to the property managers like Alora or someone, they would allow me to go along. They had enough confidence that I wasn't going to share information. And uh, it was a really good run. And Denver came from cash to online state of the art and it's it's just software now. Yeah. flying forward yeah so if you had to you know there's young people that are probably listening you know and they're starting their careers in parking and you know you're somebody that's now sold your company to flash um your son works for flash uh, flash is a great company so what would you say to the to to some entrepreneur out there that if you had to, what was, uh, you know, maybe two or three bullet points of the challenges and obviously looking back, tell, tell us, tell us how it feels to be. Just know that if you're going to be an entrepreneur, there's going to be some long hours, but it's well worth it because then you get to call the shots and there's a lot of possibilities right now. There's easy ways 
to easier ways to write code and work with chipsets if you want to make your own little splash, a little niche in parking. But you need to get involved with it to understand what information, because the, the statistical data, the financial data is critical to everyone. And everyone figures out a different way to, to get it. Now you've got the uh, QR codes that you just, we, we were in Milwaukee and we take a, we're going to park somewhere. And I took a picture, I'm getting ready to fill it out. And Zach's like, no, <laughs> parking's $5 cheaper down the block. <laughs> and it's a different company and I want to do it. And my wife's like, so he went for cheaper, cheaper. Uh huh. He went for cheaper and convenient and, and price, and convenient security. pricing. Yep. And it was a barcode down there, which he saw on his I phone. I still believe in brand loyalty. Conway. So, so it was it was availability that you would back in the day. We didn't know what people were going to charge you for parking. We didn't know where there was available parking. Whereas today, you, I can get on there, and I don't want to mention brands, but I know where to go, how much it's going to cost. That, that was. That was an inside because we could designate a whole show to branding. Oh, sure. And, yeah. You know, and I'm one. I just believe parking is people park where it's convenient. Yes. Price driven. And yes. Safety. Yeah. And I don't think from a consumer standpoint, there's brand loyalty. I think there's B2B brand loyalty for sure. Unless sure. Unless you're in an airport or yeah. some kind of hospitality situation. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, but. We'll leave that for another. Yeah, and so that's another show. And so, I've, as a young person, talk to those around you. What do they like about parking? No one likes parking. Nobody so, what likes makes parking. it more convenient? What would they like to see? And then look around and see if you see it. And if you don't, that's wide open for you. You should do it. Right. Yeah. So what's absolutely. your What's your parting words as we wind up this episode to the industry? Um. It's been a good run. The industry has been good to me. There's a lot of great people out there. I feel like uh, when people win awards, they want to talk and just list all the names. And I could go on for probably five minutes, name after name after name of people I've known, been kind to me, helped me out, bought product from, things like that. And so it's uh, it's been a really good run. And I'm very appreciative of people like you who have helped me along. And uh we're just going to ride off into the sunset, you know? Uh, it's nice. Yes, it is. Well, that's uh, amazing. I mean, you, you, you especially have had such a huge impact in the industry across the board, right? You were one of the first people that I met in my parking career and certainly would not be where I am not I, without your knowledge, without your team's knowledge. I mean, just all incredible humans across the board at Mountain Parking. And I, Casey will laugh when she hears this because I rave about Mountain Parking all the time. Um, and that's, those are the industry standards that I hold every, you know, tech to is, Mountain parking, those are the industry standards. And if you can't provide the quality and service levels of mountain parking, I don't want it. I I appreciate (laughs) it. I would would say, you know what? You did it right, buddy. I don't think anybody I've talked to in this industry or come along that has known you has ever said one bad word about you. You're one of those people that everyone loves and respects. And, you know, people can only hope to have the kind of success that you and your family have had and I think it's I think it's I think it's great. I think you're a, a blueprint or you know uh, definitely a success story for people to look at and model themselves well, if th- they want to be. Thank you both very much. I'm humbled by that. And you know, don't be a stranger. Yeah. NPA's coming up. New Orleans. You know, you're probably uh, you know. That's where I got my. You're no longer an Amano distributor letter from <laughs> Alan, who who is at Flash now. 
You know, parking still has parties at parking the show, still, yeah. so yeah. don't be a stranger. You got to make an appearance. You have to make a you have to make an appearance once in a while. Yeah, it would be fun to go back and see everyone. Zach sent me pictures of people that are with different companies now, and they're all sitting around talking about parking. Here's a picture of you. here 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 we are, and we're talking about you, Dad. Remember, and they're telling me stories, and and I quickly text them and say, "Don't tell them about and forget that you know." Well, right. I, I always tell Zach, he's like, hey, you want to go to happy hour? I'm like, only if Scott's there. Oh, yeah. <laughs> Thank yeah, you so I mean, much. I'm we thinking... do enjoy getting together because that's what it is. We become friends. Absolutely. We're not just clients. We're all friends. Yeah. Right. And I'm thinking about this episode and I'm like, I could sit here for another hour because we could branch oh, off. There are so many we stories. We could branch that. off so many <laughs> stories. Um, yeah. Well, thank you very much for yeah. the pleasure to come here and to share this time with you. It's it's always a pleasure and, and great, and I'll try not to stay away. Yeah. Scott, thank you so much for joining us today. Uh, we appreciate you. Thank, thank you. you very much. And Danny, we'll see you on the next uh, go around. And we'll see you on the next episode. All right. Thanks for listening to All Things Parking with Danny and John. We are so happy you joined us on the podcast and hope you'll stick around for future episodes. We love the parking industry, and more importantly, we love talking about all the crazy stuff happening in the parking and mobility space. We hope you join us on the next episode of All Things Parking with Danny and John. If you haven't already, make sure you subscribe to the podcast on YouTube and your favorite podcast app. We will see you next time on All Things Parking with Danny and John. To make sure you don't miss an episode, head to www dot parkingtalk dot com.